Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Welcome everyone today. We're so glad that you're here with us and we're excited, as we always are, to talk about something that's going to help preserve and strengthen families today. And the topic that we've chosen is fun and humor in families. Yes, we are big believers in fun and humor <laughs> in families. <laughs> and really, you know, think about it, but but humor and fun, you know, it, it bonds people together, right? It connects people. That's how we make memories. Those are the things that we remember years later. Right. And I remember once listening to a speaker at Education Week years ago tell about his father-in-law, who was, I guess, super funny. But he said that on his tombstone, on his tombstone all it said was, he made us laugh. And mm-hmm. then the speaker said, that is spiritual. He said, mm-hmm. he called it a spiritual gift, you know, to be able to make people laugh. And I think... There's a lot of truth to that. Absolutely. I, th- I think laughter is a great, it's an icebreaker. It's a um, healer. It's a consoler. It's, it has so many gifts that I think it's a really important, necessary thing in our lives. And I always feel bad when I meet people that don't have a sense of humor, <laughs> you know, who didn't, don't know how to laugh, don't know how to laugh at themselves, don't know how to, you know what I mean? And, and not that we each of us have to be funny ourselves, but we can appreciate laughter and we can appreciate funny people. But I continue to meet people that literally can't laugh. They don't know how, you know, they don't know when someone else is being funny or someone else is, you know, and, right. and that's that's really sad to me. Right, right. They're, they're missing out on one of the most exciting parts, Best of, parts life. of life, for yeah, sure. No question about it. So, Jane, you grew up in a home with a dad that was had a reputation for being quite a funny person right that's and by the way humor what you know you you gave a a couple of uh you know good examples of why humor is important but another one that i would throw in there and this is where i think about your dad is it it brings us down to earth and helps us just to connect with everyone it makes us very real right And, and if you're someone in a high position of and you have a great sense of humor they're gonna love you right because now you can relate now you can connect with people and your dad was the master of that. What did he? What did he do in your home to kind of facilitate this culture of humor? He really did. I I'm the oldest of eight, and he was just always a really good balance. My mom was a you know go or doer kind of type A personality, and he was more of the laid back, funny guy. And so he would just <laughs> keep a really good balance. And and I think that's why our family was so successful because we had both. You know, we had yeah. such a great balance of both and. But he always would make things light when things got intense or when things were hard or sad. You know, a little humor goes a long way. And he really taught us to be able to laugh and, and enjoy those funny moments and, and also laugh at ourselves. And again, like you said, it kept us all humble. It kept us, taught us how to be humble, how to, you know, when we all would make mistakes, we could laugh about it. You know, we could share with other people and not hide it, not be embarrassed. We just, you know, like, oh, yeah, look what, you know, what happened to me today. And and so he he really taught us a lot of, 
Yeah, just how to how to love life, right? And then how to laugh along the way. Exactly. Laughing all the way. I think there's a Christmas <laughs> song that says that. I, exactly. I remember one time telling him something, I, making an observation and pointing out something I thought was funny in a church meeting. And I don't know why, but it just struck him in a way where he just couldn't stop laughing. And then, and this was early on in our marriage, but I'm like, okay, game on. I'm going to... I'm going to see if I can make him laugh as much as I can. <laughs> and that's what your joy was, right, is getting him to laugh. Yeah. And my dad was so funny because he kind of had a big belly, and he would his belly would shake, and he, you know, he would start crying, laughing, and that was everyone's goal is to get dad laughing because yeah, it was so that, His funny. belly would just bounce And then and the down. rest of us would all die laughing. So. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. I just loved, loved watching him laugh. And, and again, it just creates those memories and it just really bonds you and it just keeps life light and fun no matter what can be going on. Mark, you're really good at that too. Even in the hardest, darkest times, you can find something funny and, and lighten the mood and lighten you know, the whole atmosphere. And my brothers are that way, and you and my brothers together, you know, if things <laughs> if things get hard, you know, you guys can all laugh and lighten. I remember when my dad passed away and and you know, and as we were all mourning, you guys started laughing and remembering things and thinking about what he would have done if he was there. And then we got, we're all laughing and, you know, and it just lightened the mood and just being able to think of dad. And anyway, but you guys are really good at that. And you especially are really good at that. No matter what, how tense and horrible the situation is, you can find something happy and fun about it. And that is a really, I think that is a spiritual gift. Yeah, no, I, and I appreciate that. That's, I think that's how I've gotten myself through through hard times. Another another fun couple, I know Janie and I, you know, we probably would say that one of our, I don't want to say the word idol because that sounds a little bit too strong, but I think both you and I loved President and Sister Hinckley almost more than anyone else in terms of church leaders just because of their ability to laugh and have fun, but also obviously very serious and 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 committed in every way to the gospel. But I still remember watching that DVD about President Hinckley's life and it was kind of the same like your dad. I mean, he'd come home with jokes and and uh, stories to tell his children at the dinner table and that's what they would say is he would laugh so hard his belly was shaking and he couldn't even finish the stories, you know. <laughs> right, and Marjorie Pay Hinckley is one of my total heroes. I mean, just because of her darling, witty personality, she just had this really quick, dry wit and I love to go back and watch videos of her because she just cracks me up. She's so real, so down to earth, has no pretense, no, you know, thinking that she's better than anyone. And she just almost self-deprecating a little bit because she would make fun of herself. And, um, and again, I think that just, again, draws people to you, right? you know, that you can relate and you can find the humor and the fun and the joy in life and not put yourself above other people that you're just in it with everyone else. Yeah. Totally. And that's, they had a total gift to be able to do that brother president and sister Hinckley. Yeah. And so the, the first clip we're going to show you is it's really cool to me because this is in the middle of a time period in the early 1980s when every member of the first presidency was really sick. President Hinckley was called to be the third counselor because the prophet, President Kimball, President Ineldon Tanner, and President Romney, who were the counselors, were also sick. So they called President Hinckley in there, and he was just bearing the whole weight of the entire First Presidency for like a year. Oh, I can't imagine the pressure that he yeah. was under. And so you would think that, okay, here he is in conference. And by the way, I remember it because I was a missionary during this time. He conducted every session of general conference. And once again, you would think, okay, well, that's a sober time. You feel alone. 
And yet he starts off this conference talk with this story. As I consider some of the problems people cause themselves by failing to look ahead, I think of a letter I clipped a long time ago from a newspaper. It was first published in England. I hope you'll pardon a bit of humor. I use it only to set the stage for what I wish to say. It appears that an English company owned a property in the West Indies. A violent storm damaged one of the buildings and a man was, make, make, was sent to make repairs. Of his experience, he wrote the manager as follows. Respected sir, when I got to the building, I found that the hurricane had knocked some bricks off the top. So I rigged up a beam with a pulley at the top of the building and hoisted up a couple of barrels of bricks. When I had fixed the building, there were a lot of bricks left over. I hoisted the barrel back up again and secured the line at the bottom and then went up and filled the barrel with extra bricks. Then I went to the bottom and cast off the line. Unfortunately, the barrel of bricks was heavier than I was. And before I knew what was happening, the barrel started down, jerking me off the ground. I decided to hang on. And halfway up, I met the barrel coming down and received a severe blow on the shoulder. I then continued to the top, banging my head against the beam and getting my finger jammed in the pulley. When the barrel hit the ground, it bursted its bottom, allowing all the bricks to spill out. Now I was not heavier than the barrel and so started down again at high speed. <laughs> Halfway down, I met the barrel coming up and received severe injuries to my shins. When I hit the ground, I landed on the bricks, getting several painful cuts from the sharp edges. At this point, I must have lost my presence of mind. I let go of the line. <laughs> the barrel then came down, giving me another heavy blow on the head <laughs> and putting me in the hospital. I respectfully request sick leave. What I love about that President Hinckley clip, because we're watching the video that no one can really see, but he is just trying the entire time not to just bust up laughing. And once again, this was at a pretty, a pretty intense time in the in the life of the first presidency with so many people sick, and here he was just finding a way to find the humor in everything. You know? <laughs> and Sister Hinckley's not a whit behind. She is so funny. Here's a little clip from her. It's on your cards. Why don't you just do what's on your cards? I don't have an, a beginning here. Oh. <laughs> well, then just, then just do the... <laughs> just uh, do whatever's here. That's the way it goes with us. Nothing ever works out. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm just absolutely overwhelmed with the number of people here. Don't you folks have anything to do? <laughs>
Well, I do want to thank you for being here. Otherwise, all this work I've done would be for naught. <laughs> thank you for being here. And bringing such a wonderful feeling of really true friendship with you. This is this you. Do. <laughs> we didn't rehearse this, but you can see. That was from a BYU women's conference, and it's just literally stand-up comedy with her. She was just so quick and so sharp, and again, just so real, and just endeared everybody to her. <laughs> totally. Yep. I lo- we love Sister Hinckley. You know, Janie, another thing that I've noticed, and I think it's super cool, but just even in our own church history, both you know modern church history, but also you know church history from the early days, there's great humor. There's great humor everywhere. And I know that in our family, especially in your family, Jay Golden Kimball is always a, a hero, right? <laughs> Wouldn't you guys listen to Jay Golden Kimball tapes or something on your trips and yeah, things like that? because he was so funny. <laughs> yeah, one of our favorite stories was when Jay Golden Kimball was a general authority, and he was so beloved because of his sense of humor Mm. and his colorful vocabulary. But one day, Elder Kimball was walking on the streets of Salt Lake City during a winter snowstorm, just a few weeks before Christmas. And as he was crossing the street at South Temple, preparing to walk into the north door at ZCMI, a woman carrying an armload of packages burst through the doors. As Elder Kimball gingerly walked across the snow and ice, he was met head-on by this woman, whose visibility was blocked by the load she was carrying. When the two collided, packages flew everywhere, and the woman landed right on top of, of Elder <laughs> Kimball. And, he, you know, he was a very tall, thin man. Tall, thin guy, yeah. <laughs> and after landing on Elder Kimball, the pair began sliding towards the curb, if you can imagine this. And all the traffic stopped. Everyone stood in entranced by the most unlikely sight (laughs) they slid till they hit the curb it was then that the woman realized someone was beneath her she brushed the snow away and exclaimed oh brother kimball it's you speak to me are you all right i'm all right sister but you've got to get off here he painfully croaked this is as far as i go (laughs) (laughs) i think that's great it reminds me of another time another great jay golden kimball story where he was in southern utah it was late in the day. They had been in meetings all day. You could tell everyone. He was just reading the room, right? And you could tell that people were just ready to go. And And he said, look, I can either speak to you about the need to take, you know, subscribe to these church magazines for the next hour or so. Or if you'll all just agree right now by the show of hands, who will subscribe to the church magazines? This meeting's over. And, of course, everyone raises their hand and uh, the meeting ends. And he had a great, he had a great way to, to do things like that, didn't he? Um, I love this from Benjamin Johnson, who was a great, great friend of Joseph Smith. What a lot of people may not recognize is that Joseph Smith had a great sense of humor. He would actually probably be the funny guy in the room, you know. And so uh, Benjamin Johnson was one of his best friends. He said, the prophet often came to our town, but after my arrival... He lodged in no house but mine, and I was proud of his partiality and took great delight in his society and friendship. When with us, he says, there was no lack of amusement, for with jokes, games, he was always ready to provoke merriment, one phase of which was matching couplets and rhyme, by which we were at times in rivalry. Anyway, you can just kind of imagine imagine what that would have been like to, to see that. You know, there was an occasion where, once again, morale was really low among 
the church members in Missouri. In fact, 18-year-old Edward Stevenson remembered the weather got colder and the LDS troops were camping near Adam on Diamond without tents. They were trying to keep warm around campfires. And one evening, several inches of snow fell, which caused the company to become despondent again. And then the prophet, seeing our forlorn condition, called us to form into two parties in battle array. Lyman White at the head of one line and Joseph Smith head in the other. And then they would have a sham battle. And for weapons, they used snowballs. Or in other words, what did they do? They had this massive snowball fight. Another time, and this is probably one of my favorites, but Joseph calls for a glass of water. He's with a group of people. He's going to propose a toast. And with his glass in hand, he said, I will drink you a toast to the overthrow of the mobocrats. And here's his toast. He says, here's wishing. They were in the middle of the sea in a stone canoe with iron paddles and a shark swallowed the canoe and the devil swallowed the shark and him locked up in the northwest corner of hell and the key lost and a blind man looking for it. <laughs> now, can you imagine that in the, you know, that going over in the 1840s or whatever? But once again, that just shows here's Joseph being persecuted, couldn't live a day of his life without wondering if he was going to be killed and is able to propose this funny toast. And, of course, we don't even have to go deep into our church history. There's plenty of humor, humor in our own families. Right. Every day. I think there's things that that happen, that, but we have to notice it. We have to embrace it. Sometimes it looks more like mess or it looks like something bad. But in the moment, you know, 10 years out, we look back and it was a funny experience. Right. <laughs> like just yesterday, my daughter sent a picture of our one-year-old who had gotten into a box of cereal and dumped it. There was cereal all over the kitchen floor. She had dumped the entire box. And in the moment, I'm sure that was really annoying for my daughter. But 10 years later, she's going to look back at those pictures and they're going to laugh. You know, her daughter's going to laugh. <laughs> Especially because Macy was just uh, eating the cereal off the floor. Uh, Right? I mean, that just made it all the more fun, right? Hey, I'm not going to waste this stuff. We're going to eat it. (laughs) But there's so many things, I think, that happen in our families every day that we can either look at them as a disaster or a mess or a problem. But, you know, years out, we're going to look back and think they were funny. And I always tell my kids, like my daughters, like your kid, now our grandkids are saying the funniest things. I don't think... There's a day that goes by that somebody's not posting or telling us something funny that one of the kids said, the grandchildren. And I'm always telling them, guys, write it down. Because if you don't write it down, it's going to be gone. They're on to the next funny thing or, you know, they're forgotten. Yeah, I was going to say, our children said funny things every day. And literally looking back now, I can remember about five of those things. Right? I know, and it's so sad. And there were days where they would say something so funny, and I thought, oh, I'm not, I'll, I'll remember to tell Mark when he gets home. And he would get home, and I'd be like, oh. Dang it, one of them said something so funny, and now I can't remember. <laughs> and so we just need to write them in our phone notes. I have one daughter who's really good about that. She keeps track of all the funny things that go on in the family. But we need to write these down because it just, again, it builds memories. It builds feelings. It re- brings it memories. Build, it, builds, it, be- it builds connection. Connection you know, through our families. Strengthens so, our relationships, right? Yeah. I still remember the time that that daughter who was taking pictures of her daughter, our granddaughter, spilling cereal over the floor. I still, I'll never forget the time that for some reason, when we came, we went to church, you know, on one Sunday, she brought a duffel bag and none of us really knew what was in this duffel bag. And here we were sitting maybe what, on the third row or so of the chapel for sacrament meeting. And this daughter opens up the duffel bag and pulls out 
a butcher knife, you know, about two feet long, right? It was a huge knife. Uh, it was the biggest knife. I didn't know we had a knife that big in our house. And then she had bought, or she had brought caramel from the refrigerator, right? Like a, a tub of caramel and an apple. Caramel apple dip. And then she was cutting the, if you, the only way I can explain it, if how a cowboy would cut an apple, you know, there's this little technique, you know, she's cutting these apple slices Dipping them in, in caramel and then like eating them off the knife like a cowboy. And she was probably six or seven. I yeah. mean, she was young and nobody, no one even noticed. It was probably during the sacrament. I don't know. And then when we all looked down the row, we were like, oh my gosh. Because <laughs> the knife was like, once again, two feet long, you know. And, and I'm sure everyone behind she's us. Just, she's just having a picnic. I mean, she, and she, she didn't think it was funny. I mean, it was just like, hey, I'm, I'm hungry and I brought my uh, snacks and... I still remember a lot of different things our children have said. You know, one of the funny things for me right now, I always, I always enjoy it as a parent and as a grandparent when our grandchildren do some of the same crazy things that their parents, our kids, did. And one of our daughters once, at age 11, got on eBay and bought a motorcycle. Remember that? Oh, yes. She bought a motorcycle, and we had to deal with the whole legalities of eBay with that because someone was really mad because I had to get on and say, hey, look, this was our 11-year-old daughter. She doesn't even know what she's doing. And this guy was not happy about it. <laughs> that was like his business in his life. And that was just kind of a little fiasco. But it was kind of fun to think, hey, my daughter got kicked off of eBay and banned at age 11. Well, guess what happens later? Now she has a son, our grandson, who buys stuff at age 6 on you know Apple iTunes or whatever he's buying and I think they got charged what a couple hundred dollars the other day for these little games that he bought that so what goes around comes around right <laughs> we had another uh, one of our son when he was little he was probably three years old and I remember around Easter time he prayed we are so grateful that the Easter Bunny died for us <laughs> <laughs> that's what we knew we made a little mistake in our teaching right uh, yeah. we one time our, we had a teenage daughter who was going to a prom or homecoming some big dance we had a big 15 passenger van and she and her friends went out and they found out that you could you know get the plug the lights into the car and the whole car well, lit they up. had like these little they had like these interior like mood lights right of some kind and yeah so, so they took all the benches out of the van put in couches and tables like it they made it into a living room and put these lights on and then blew out the whole electrical system in our car. And it never worked after that. No, not very well. No. We had another daughter when she was probably two or three. We were in the car and she was awfully quiet. And she had found a stack of pennies that were just in a cubby in one of the compartments of the car. And she was back there putting pennies in every single one of the seatbelts. So then nobody could use the seatbelt. She ruined every seatbelt in the car. Because she had put pennies inside the little hole. The buckle, yeah. And that same daughter on another occasion (laughs) took my wallet and put all of my license, my credit cards, and everything down another compartment in the car. We had to go in and have the whole panel removed of the entire car to get all my credit cards and my driver's license out. Yeah. So... So Callie, in the moment, if you're listening, Callie, today, <laughs> I hope that the baby you're going to have soon uh, may, may, may pay you back in some way. So when these things happen, they're not funny in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> they could actually be really like maddening sometimes. But I think we need to take a step back and, and laugh, be able to laugh at ourselves, be able to laugh at the situation, be able to laugh at our children, be able to laugh at our two-year-old who put pennies in every <laughs> one of the seatbelts. Because, you know, one day it will be funny. <laughs> right. And it is funny now, right? 
So the fun for us now is that our grandkids are just saying crazy, funny things all the time. And I'm so glad that our kids have captured a few of them. I think I've even used this story in church once, but we have a, uh, we did have a grandson that was having some issues with his stomach. And so the other grandpa on the other side of the family said to his son, our son-in-law, has Carter had a lot of trouble with his bowels? Does he have trouble with his bowels? And Carter heard that and just piped right in and goes, I don't have any trouble with my vowels. A-E-I-O-U. Remember that? <laughs> we had another grandson, or son-in-law and grandson. He was, my son-in-law was teaching Cannon about football. And he said, hey, bud, so when you're on defense, you can push guys down as hard as you can, and no one will even get you in trouble. It's all allowed. And Cannon looked up in amazement and said, oh, can you bite them too? <laughs> oh, this is so funny. These are like everyday occurrences. What, do you, what was the one he said about the, about the plumber that came to their house? Oh, they just had a, um, a plumber come and was going to fix some things in their house. And when they told him, oh, that's the plumber, he's like, oh, is his truck full of, full of plums? <laughs> <laughs> One of our daughters wrote, we had a guy here fixing our windows, and he had this super long handlebar mustache that dangled below his chin. And my son turned to his dad and said, dad, when is the nutcracker worker guy going to be done? <laughs> <laughs> to him, all he could do is relate that to a nutcracker. <laughs> just looked like, I guess he looked like the nutcracker, right? <laughs> but kids, their observations are hilarious. And we need to write these things down. They're so funny. And it just brings joy and happiness into our life. We all need, who can't use a little more laughter, more joy, more... More happiness, right? And yeah. you know, once again, the way I think about it is... You know how fun it's going to be one day to just be sitting around the campfire with your family, just pulling these stories out and sharing them and, and just laughing. And once again, that, that connects and heals families. That's what it does. So in your home, if there's no joy and fun and laughing and music and fun times, why would your kids want to be at your house? You know, they can go find <laughs> right. fun other places. And we always felt it was really, really important to have lots of laughter, fun Talk about it at dinner. What's something fun, funny that happened to you today? Um, turn on fun music and just dance. Get you know, make the light, the mood light in your home. If everything's always just hard and serious and heavy, you know, it just is creates. I don't even think you can have the spirit there if it's like that all the time. We have to learn to have fun and laugh and engage with each other, and that's when we really bond. Right, and once again, that's what that's what's going to propel our children to go back home, right? And Janie, it always reminds me of you when you were a kid and you, well, a teenager and you'd go on those dates and, and all you could think about is I got to get back home. Please take me home because. Because <laughs> I, I knew my family was having so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, you were the I, first FOMO person, I think. I think I was. I knew my dad had all the ice cream out and was making shakes and, you know, and. Everyone was laughing and dancing and. Yeah. And having a party. And that's how our home should be. Yeah, oh, so for sure. Once again, that's what draws our children to us. So about a year ago, I teamed up with a good friend of mine. Actually, uh, it was more than a year ago, but uh, Ted Acey and I, Ted's a great, uh, wonderful LDS psychologist in the Dallas area. And we wrote a book together called Finding Peace in Difficult Times. So chapter 13 is called Laughter is Still the Best Medicine. And in that chapter, we talk a lot about some of the benefits health-wise and otherwise uh, that come from laughter in our homes and in our families and would recommend that to, to anyone who's interested. 
finding peace in difficult times. And I'm just going to quote a few things from that chapter, and here's one of them, that if we don't find the humor in our daily lives, humor will most likely find us. At least we hope it will. Humor is most often around us, and we just need to look for it. Some of us will have to look harder than others do, but humor is there. It's somewhere, and discovering humor in our daily life is one of those powerful ways to cope with the stresses and strains of this life. And humor certainly has its way of reducing fear, stress, anxiety, worry, anger, and depression. And that's why we still believe that laughter is the best medicine. There's great wisdom in not taking ourselves too seriously, laughing despite our problems, seeing the humor in most of the things that we do. In fact, many experts over the years have suggested that no matter what the crisis is in our lives, if we look back on our problems, maybe weeks, months, even years later, we can find some humor in the situation. You know, Brad Wilcox, a wonderful colleague of mine at BYU, wrote an article that we would recommend to all of you. It was published in the Ensign back in March of 2000. It was called, If We Can Laugh At It, We Can Live With It. Mm-hmm. I know you like that principle, I just right, love Jane? that principle. I feel like any if there's anything that's happening in our life, good, bad, ugly, if we can laugh at it and find the humor as tragic and horrible as it is, we can live with it. Right. You know, we, we can, can go on. Yeah. Totally. So, so I love that principle. In that talk... Uh, Brother Wilcox quotes Heber C. Kimball, who in describing our Father in Heaven said that our Heavenly Father is cheerful, pleasant, lively, and good-natured. And once again, this is another way to say, does Heavenly Father, does God have a sense of humor? Well, the answer is yes. And if we want to become more like Him, then we would too. Just even in Second Nephi, Second yeah. Nephi two twenty five, it says, you know, men are that they might have joy. Heavenly Father wants us to be happy here. He wants us to enjoy our life and find the good. He doesn't walk want us to walk around <laughs> all sullen and depressed and right and yeah. overwhelmed. Sure. Um, that Randy Alcorn is an evangelical Christian author, and he said, "In heaven, I believe our joy will often erupt in laughter when laughter is prompted by what's." inappropriate. God always takes pleasure in it. And I love that because it's so true how many of our brethren in conference tell really funny stories or funny moments. And again, it's appropriate. You know, it's I like not... the, that God takes pleasure in that. It's not yeah. that he accepts it or just goes along with it. He's like, no, this is great. Keep going. Right? Yeah, I can see him totally belly laughing at some <laughs> funny, you know, things. I think Christ, that's again, my our opinion, right? Our opinion. <laughs> I think Christ will laugh with us, and his wit and fun-loving nature will be our greatest sources of endless laughter. Where did humor originate? Not with people, angels, or Satan. God created all good things, including good humor. If God didn't have a sense of humor, human beings, as his image bearers, wouldn't either. God made us to laugh and to love to laugh. And I'm sure there's so many moments that Heavenly Father just laughs at us because <laughs> just like we laugh at our grandchildren and our children, he's got to be. Laughing. I, he's got to be laughing at most of the things that happen to us. I believe he is. And just to go back to Sister Hinckley, <laughs> she one of she's known for one of her famous sayings, and I love this one. I use it all the time. But the only way to get through this life is to laugh your way through it. You either have to laugh or cry. She said, I prefer to laugh. Crying just gives me a headache. (laughs) And so I remember that all the time. (laughs) No, that's so good. In writing this chapter that I just referred to a minute ago uh, about, you know, laughter being the best medicine, one of the places I quote from is from Norman Cousins' famous book, The Anatomy of Illness. Uh, He quotes from Proverbs that a merry heart doeth good like medicine. And he talks to us about why that's so important. In fact, I've done a little bit of research here. There's a lot uh, 
on humor. And here's one author said that humor gives your brain a workout. In fact, during laughter, the prefrontal cortex of your brain is activated and put into full gear. The frontal lobe moves from information processing towards an emotional response when laughter occurs. Laughter also releases chemicals such as dopamine, which enhances pleasure, serotonin, which lightens our mood, endorphins, which make us feel better. One study conducted by Vanderbilt University researchers demonstrated that 10 to 15 minutes of laughter could burn up to 40 calories. So we could actually laugh off our pounds. Isn't that great, <laughs> Let's Jane? try that diet. We've tried all the rest. Yeah, Let's try that one. one. Yeah, why not try that one? Um, how about this research? This research, I love it. Those with a healthy sense of humor are more creative and productive. They have more energy and they experience less stress and less anxiety. Another one, when a person laughs, their blood pressure decreases, their heart rate, heart rate and respiration increase, the body releases those endorphins and depression declines. And after the laughter subsides and when you relax again, the good feeling has a lasting effect. Maybe even until the next day, most medicines won't even do that, said one researcher. Uh, another researcher replicating some of this stuff we're talking about, that laughter decreases stress, regulates emotion, helps with learning, and can sharpen our ability to remember things. Another researcher, laughter and humor correlated with enhanced mental functioning, reduction of stress, anxiety, and tension. Humor elevates moods, self-worth, hope, energy, and vigor. In fact, one study showed that laughter is directly linked to reducing loneliness and psychological distress. It improves mental functioning, like we talked about, the quality of our lives. Anyway, there just are so many great benefits to laughter. And so we recommend laughter to all of you. We hope that you'll find ways to engage in laughter every day. In fact, one of our favorite friends told us that at the end of every day, if you would just do four things, you could stay in a state of happiness. And one of those is to write down something funny that happened that day. That was number one. Number two, to write down something you're grateful for. Number three, to write down something that you accomplished. And number four, how did you see God's hand in your life today? That if we did those four things, we could live a pretty happy life. So we do have a few ideas on how to incorporate more laughter in your lives and with your families. And we're not saying that our ideas are all encompassing. We're just saying here's a few that we've thought of. And you'll, you'll have some that you'll think of that are probably even better. And if you do, by the way, share them with us. We'd love to have you email us at preservingfamiliespodcast at gmail.com and share with us some of your ideas about humor. One of the first ones we said is just, just try to smile every day and make others smile also. That's so easy. If we're in the grocery store line, if we're getting gas, if we, whoever we run into in our daily lives, just smile and bring, you know, try to make, maybe make a compliment to somebody because it says in the Proverbs fifteen thirteen, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Janie, this is actually a really big deal. I know that as I walk around the BYU campus now, I find myself not saying as high, hi as much as I used to and, and hello and making eye contact and smiling at people. And I think it's because you're thinking of 500 things that are on your mind. And I know that those students and other faculty members are, but we've had a couple of experiences lately that have reminded us of how important this is. And here we go. Ready? One of them was we were in Texas. We were back home in our home state of Texas, what, two weeks ago. And one of the things that always strikes you when you're in Texas with those great, wonderful Texan people 
is how friendly everyone is. And you just forget about that. I mean, you're having conversations in the grocery store with people you've never seen in your life, right? Yeah, they're so, <laughs> they just want to talk to you. And yeah. it's just a different culture. And I just always think, why can't we do that more up here in Utah? <laughs> yeah, well, and then we were in Australia back in October and November for a little conference. And and I think that was one of the things you and I talked about. We were, we were not in a major city. We were off in a smaller town. Country town. Kind of a country town where, where this conference was. But we could not believe how friendly everyone was, literally. I mean, you we, we were making friends everywhere we walked and talked. And I still remember at a, we were at a gas station, and there were two women that were running this gas station. And they probably talked to us for 30 minutes. You know, just it was just so intriguing and enlightening and encouraging to be around people that are just friendly and happy. And I think all of us, if we're going to be true disciples of Christ and and Latter-day Saints, that, that goes with the territory of of wearing that label is we should be the friendliest, happiest people around. Yeah, I love the story that was told in conference by Michelle Craig, one of my other favorite <laughs> sheroes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> she said one Sunday during the sacrament, she was asking herself a couple questions and, you know, pondering on how she could become more like the Savior. And one of her first impressions was, you know, or ask that she asked is, what am I doing that I should stop doing? And she had the impression that she should stop looking at her phone while she waits in line at the grocery store or wherever. Right. And so she did that. And she tells the incredible story of while waiting in a grocery store line the next morning that she habitually, you know, pulled out her phone and she remembered her prompting. She put it away. Mm. And as she looked around, she noticed an elderly gentleman in the line ahead of her who was purchasing a few cans of cat food. Mm. And she said something like, oh, I see you have a cat. And they visited for a few minutes. And the gentleman said softly, you know, I haven't told anyone this, but today is my birthday. Mm. And Sister Craig said that her heart melted as she wished him a happy birthday, feeling grateful that she had not missed that opportunity to connect with someone who really needed that. And I love that story because I think we are all in such bad habits of constantly pulling out our phone, having our headphones on, having our earbuds in, and we're not connecting with other people. Right. And we're supposed to, meaning that we are relational beings that God has made us into that we need to be having those connections. Right. And if we're going to be like the savior, we need to be reaching out to other people around us. And again, even if it's just a smile, even if it's just a quick compliment, you know, that really makes people day, it makes people's day. I know when people have done that for me, you know, and said something nice to me and I walk out of the store, I'm like, you know, you just have a little spring (laughs) in your step. You just feel better about yourself. And that's what we should be doing for other people. Yeah. What a, what a, it's a great way to be a blessing to someone. So I love that example from sister Craig. Yeah. Well, and I I can imagine her doing that with a big smile on her face. And that was our number one. Number two, surround yourself with some people that are funny, right? I know that sounds weird, but why not have a funny person in your life? Someone who has a great sense of humor and associate with them often. Those are the people we should be uh, going out to dinner with and becoming better friends with, right? Because it rubs off on us, right? Right, it rubs <laughs> off. I love that. To that positive energy, right? That positive energy rubs off on us. And I even, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, and then the, there's those people that are just negative and they're critical. And I'm not saying to avoid those people, but I'm saying that have have enough people in your life that are positive and funny to balance to balance it out. Awesome. Our third thing that we identified is to watch funny television shows or old <laughs> movies, you know, that are clean, that are wholesome, but are mm-hmm. funny. I, I know people that go to bed every night or spend all day watching the news and how depressing that is and how heavy that is. And so, you know, everyone lighten up. <laughs> 
Jayco Okasaki right. wrote a book on Lighten Up several years ago <laughs> that was a huge, you know, bestseller because I think we all need that in our life. We've got to find the light. You know, life itself is so heavy and can be so much yeah, and so stressful sometimes that we've got to find humor and we've got to find fun and light and happiness in our life. I know, Janie, for us, for many years, we would go to bed watching the 10 o'clock news, you know, and... I remember just I just reached a point where that was just way too depressing for me. And I, the life is hard enough, and, and in my counseling work, just the last thing I needed to do is go to bed with more, more heaviness and heaviness <laughs> in my life. And so we started going to bed watching some funny shows, and we still do it today. We've been doing it for 20, 20 years now. But that may lead to number four, that it's not a bad thing to identify some wholesome comedians to watch. And there's plenty of them out there now. I say wholesome, but, you know, clean comedians. And I remember, Janie, how important this was to me. Oh, by the way, names, Brian Regan, Jim Gaffigan, Tim Hawkins. I mean, there's we love drive our comedy now because it's just a whole slew of comedians that you've never heard of, and it's just funny stuff. But I remember going through some severe anxiety years ago and and watching a Brian Regan DVD with our family, and everyone was laughing, and I remember laughing for the first time in a while and i remember just how good that felt you know that there's no question that that kind of laughter is is good for us it's healthy yes we've kind of talked about this a minute ago too but capture the funny stories in your life and write them down you know encourage your married kids that have grandkids to write them down and use those and pass them around the family we have a a family group text and usually most i would say several times a week somebody writes a funny thing that one of the grandkids did or said. And right. it just makes everyone laugh, and it just makes you feel good. It does. Number six, you know, as we've said, just trying to find humor in everyday events. You know, I remember talking to a family member years ago who just said, you know, nothing funny ever happens in my life. I guess I'm just boring. And I thought, are you kidding me? No, there's there's funny stuff everywhere, you know, and I, I just think of it this way that, I think almost everything could be funny, right? Almost yeah, just everything the way that we, that we look at it. Right. The other day, I was just, I was telling Mark that I went down and I, I'm a huge, like, Dr. Pepper fan. <laughs> so <'cause> you're Texan. <laughs> um, I went down in the pantry down in the basement to get something that I need, an item, and I realized that a bottle of Dr. Pepper had been leaking and dripping, and so I took it upstairs to dump it down the sink, and it literally exploded <laughs> all over the kitchen, all over me. I literally had a shower in Dr. Pepper. Right. And at first I was so mad because I had so much to do in it. I was literally cleaning Dr. Pepper off the ceiling and everything <laughs> else in my kitchen. But I actually thought it was funny because it was, I mean, I was soaking wet in Dr. Pepper. And I was like, wow, I had a shower in Dr. Pepper. That was actually kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that one of your goals is to have a Dr. Pepper shower one day? But, you know, and I, and I realized I could be so mad about this, but I actually thought this is actually kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You caught yourself right there. And so once again, it's, it's the idea of training your eyes and your mind to look and see the humor in life because it is there. It is in front of us all the time. Absolutely. Number seven, and then share the funny and humorous stories with your family, you know, because again, it's just humorous. We love on the family group text when everybody shares and you just get a chuckle and it, again, it lightens your day, it lightens your mood and we just need to share those. Yeah, totally. Maybe we can close today with one last story. Some of you will recognize the name of Jimmy V. 
But Jim Valvano was a famous college basketball coach back in the late 1970s and the early 80s. In 1983, he coached the North Carolina State Wolfpack to a miraculous win over the highly favored Houston Cougars to claim the national championship. And by the way, if you've never seen that scene before when the North Carolina State Wolfpack wins and Jimmy V's just running all over the court looking for someone to hug, it's pretty cool. Known as Coach V to everyone around him, he loved and inspired his players to heights they never imagined. Unfortunately, just a few years after leaving coaching, Jimmy V was diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer in 1992. Almost two months before his premature death, Jimmy V, a man riddled with cancer throughout his body, attended the first ESPY Awards at Madison Square Garden. He was there to accept the first Arthur Ashe Courage and Humanitarian Award. Jimmy V was so sick and weak that Mindy didn't know how he would even have the energy to climb up the steps to the podium to accept the award. However, Coach Valvano miraculously made it to the podium to give one of the most inspirational speeches of human his- in human history. Now, once again, if you've never seen this, I'm sure you could just go to YouTube and type in Jimmy V's speech, and it's very moving. But... Here I'm just going to share with you one of the things he said, and it just applies so well to what we're talking about today. He said, to me, there are three things we all should do every day. And number one is laugh. He said, you should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time and thought. And number three, you should have your emotions move to tears. Could be happiness or joy, but think about it. He said, if you laugh, If you think and if you cry, that's a full day. He said, that's a heck of a day. And you do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. And I think that laughing every day helped Jimmy V through one of the most significant trials of his life. Daily laughter can also help each of us as we navigate our way through this fallen world. Our Father in Heaven wants us to have joy and happiness. And despite the stresses and the strains of life, laughter can be the very best medicine. So we need to learn how to create a culture of humor and laughter in our homes and pass that legacy down to our children. Well, for our invitation today for LDS Let's Do Something, we would invite all of you to cultivate an eye of humor, to start to look around and just see the humor humor and the laughter and the lightness in so many things that we do and say and that others do and say around us. And enjoy that and enjoy life. And to be able to share that humor with our families, to gather your family around it, and maybe just as important as it is to share the gospel with our families and to teach them and influence them that way, maybe just as important is to laugh with our families and to find the humor in just about everything around us. Well, everyone, thank you so much for being with us today. We've really enjoyed uh, this topic of uh, laughter is the best medicine. We hope that you feel the same way and that you'll find ways to make, uh, to make those laugh around you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we look forward to being with you next time.